Good morning, everyone. Well, so good to see you all here. Well, today I am going to be sharing a message entitled The Waiting Room and What Lies Beyond. Now, waiting rooms, I don't know any of you that really enjoy a good waiting room, right? Uh, you know, some of you are like, man, I, I haven't had a good waiting room in a while. Uh, there aren't any. There are no good waiting rooms. In fact, I always feel like even if you go to a brand new doctor's office, the waiting room's not brand new. Right? It's like they spent all the money on the other rooms, the exam rooms and everything. And then they went out and found some like 1970 vinyl furniture. They went and found like toys that, you know, like 90-year-old people have donated to this place. I mean, kids look at it like, what am I supposed to do with that thing? And, you know, the, they have the one with the, the square peg and, and the round hole and all of that. And the kids, is, you know, does it plug in? You know, it and, and then they got all that music, you know, like, and I say it's oldies music, you know, because it's not the 80s, which is the best music of all time. All right. I mean, we all know that, but pre-80s, you know, older stuff and uh, or elevator music. And I, I don't know. Waiting rooms are just awkward places. They they give you this information. They, they ask you to fill out your history. Right. And they give you like a stack of homework. Isn't it funny, though, you, later you get in the exam room, they got it all printed out. They don't need it. They just got to give you something to do while you're in there, you know, and they get you thinking about your past. And where did they get the magazines from? Not any time in the last decade, right? You're like reading Sports Illustrated, you know, from 1980, and you're like, wow, this is exciting. But it's not relevant. See, waiting rooms are weird, and... and uh, no one really gets in there because we enjoy it, but it's on our way somewhere else. And this past year has been kind of like the waiting room, hasn't it? COVID and, and all of the things that we have been through, we've been in this waiting process. And talk about a weird waiting room, right? During COVID, it's not even a room. It's your hot car. And somebody's going to run out in surgical clothes and a shish kebab skewer, and stick it up your nose into your brain to find out if you could even come in the building. <laughs> That's enjoyable. How many of you have had that more than once? All right, just look at this. It's amazing revival right here. And uh, we endured it. But something's got to be better. Something good is coming. Amen? I believe it. I believe God has got us all on the precipice of something amazing. I do. I believe we're on the brink of something good and that the waiting has a purpose, that waiting is a reason, that we've been waiting for something and something is coming and that something's name is Jesus. The world's not ready for him. They're trying to figure out how they're going to explain when we all disappear. So now, I mean, we see UFOs everywhere. How else are they going to explain when we just disappear? Alien abduction, and apparently only aliens like Christians. Well, we won't be around to laugh, you know? I mean, like, yeah, go with that. We, people are all fascinated with every kind of ghost show. Why? Just to get you fascinated with anything that will make you believe in something other than the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the power of God. You know, somebody says, you believe in ghosts? No, I believe in demons. I believe demons will beat your grandma if you want them to. Just as long as you start believing in them, just as long as you start like focusing, oh, I think it's a good spirit here. I think it's a good ghost here. There is one good ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. It works on the inside and works its way out of side. And that's the only one you need to be focusing on. 
I'm going to start my own paranormal investigation just so I can put all the rest out of business. We just go in and pray in the spirit, ghost gone. Anyways, we're talking about the waiting room and what lies beyond. Well, what better character study to look at waiting than the life of Joseph? And so we're going to spend a little time in Genesis chapter 41 this morning in the word of God. And before I turn to Genesis 41, I'm going to read the words of David that are found in Psalm 105, beginning at verse 16. And this, again, is in referral to Joseph during a waiting time in his life. It said, God called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Now listen to this. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. You know, it's interesting when we begin to have dreams. And I look at the dreams of Joseph as a 13-year-old, and, and they're powerful, but they're awkward. And sometimes we don't know the right audience for our dreams or when to tell our dreams or when to just ponder our dreams. You know, like God gave Mary a dream, and it says she went away and she pondered them in her heart. When God gave Joseph a dream, he went and told his family, and when he told his family, I had this amazing dream that all of you brothers and my parents are going to bow down to me. I don't know. That doesn't go well when you're like the young one in the family. You know, it's like, I just had this. Isn't that cool? You were bowing down to me. And then I had another dream. Again, you were bowing down to me. Awesome, isn't it? You know, and, and then it goes on. And, and, and Joseph is loved by his father. And his father gives him this amazing coat. And, and sometimes we, we resent people. We say, you know, why did God give them this, that? Why did God give that person the talent? Why did God give person that gift? Why did God use that person this way? And, and, and I'll tell you this, you know, if you don't like my coat of many colors, tell my father he gave it to me. Right? I got a coat of many colors today. It's just what I'm wearing. But I want you to know that it's, sometimes it's what our calling puts on us literally will get us into trouble. But it's not meant to be trouble. It's meant to be character development. It's meant to be something that will change us so that when it comes time to fulfill the calling, when it comes time to fulfill the dream, we will have the maturity, we will have the understanding, we will have the training, we will have the perspective and the wisdom that's needed to follow through. So ever since Joseph has this dream, he's nearly killed by his brothers He's excommunicated from his family. His father thinks he's dead. He's thrown in a pit. He's pulled out of the pit and then sold into slavery. He's then put in a house and accused of rape, thrown in prison. And he sees no way out. That's where he's left. And remember, he was in prison because he had done the right thing and honored God in his life. Sometimes we, we ask that question, don't we? Why do good things happen? Or why do bad things happen to good people? Well, sometimes it's to remind us that we're not that good. 
at, at least me. Sometimes we just have to be reminded, we're not that good. We need discipline, and the Lord disciplines those he loves. But also, God has a plan that's bigger and better than you can understand right now. God has something that he is working in you. God has something that he's working in your family, something that he's working in your destiny. You say, no, I'm at the end. No, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. God has a reason for you. God's working something in you. The waiting is not going to be forever. And so there is purpose in this waiting room. Joseph became the best prisoner and a blessing to the jailer and other prisoners. He could have got in there and said, man, I was accused of rape. I didn't do that. You know what? My brothers, they hated on me. They took my coat of many colors. They ripped it up. They told my dad I was dead. They put me in a pit. They sold me into slavery. Man, my life sucks, and you should all feel bad for me. Imagine if most of you had had his life and Instagram. Imagine what you would have done on Facebook. Oh, you would have blown it up. The pity would have been coming from around the world. It's kind of sad how we whine about what God is doing to make us better. It is. It's kind of ridiculous sometimes that we go so far into our own struggles that we want everyone to relate to our struggles without giving them hope of how to get out of them. We have to give them hope. If you're in a struggle, remain quiet and learn so that when you're out of it, then you can help others out of it. But it's kind of hard to help them out of it when you're still in it and whining about it. See, that's not what waiting's for. That's not the waiting room purpose. You see, it only looked like God had forsaken him, but God was working behind the scenes to accomplish his eternal purpose. So let's look at the waiting room. You see, Joseph was in this prison cell, and these two guys that are there have this crazy dream. They each have a dream. And Joseph, he, he totally interprets both dreams, and they come true. And on the way out, the cupbearer whose dream turned out good, the other guy's dream didn't turn out good. I'll tell you about that later. But the good dream, Joseph, I feel like, kind of made a mistake. Because he said as the cupbearer was leaving the prison, hey, when you get out, tell some people what I did for you. Tell them I shouldn't even be in here. Help your brother out. And I feel like maybe God went, hmm, you need a little bit more time of character development. Because I want to bring you out for a different purpose than you want to be brought out. And so it says in Genesis 41, verse 1, the very first part, two full years later. Two full years later that he thought he was on the verge of getting out. He thought he was about to get out of his situation. He thought he was about to be free. Two full years goes by. And it causes us to look back. That's what waiting rooms do. They make us look back and go, what did I do wrong? What was going on when this magazine was written? Why am I so distracted with myself? You're your biggest distraction. And the number one person who keeps you from getting free is you. And yet, who the son sets free is free indeed. God's going to free you. He's going to be faithful because he's never not faithful to his word. So what we can learn from the waiting room is that delays are never easy. 
two full years. They're never easy. It, it, it could have been like, man, how could he forget me? How could he let this go? I'm never going to get out of this. And maybe you're in the middle of something right now and you just think, man, I've been in it for a while. I'm just asking you to climb into the eyes of Jesus and see your situation through his perspective. See what he's doing. Ask him what he's doing. Let him reveal to you how he's working all things together for good. Because delays are never easy, but delays are often necessary. They're necessary. God used the long grinding years in the prison to teach Joseph patience and dependence. What's he teaching you right now? Hmm? Be a good conversation to have over lunch. What has God taught you in waiting? What has God taught you in this season? What has God taught you through COVID? What is God teaching you through what you're experiencing? You see, Joseph's learning patience. He's learning dependence. God placed Joseph in a waiting room and left him there until some very valuable lessons had been learned. God's going to get him out at the right time. So God taught Joseph to wait on the Lord and to trust the Lord, not himself. God teaches us that. You know, because we're, if we're not careful, we, we, we don't do that. When you go through a hardship, who do you call? Who are you talking to? How quick do you put it on social media? Is God your last resort or your first response? Do you trust God to give you an answer and not get a second opinion from your friends or family? See, that's what we do when we trust in God. Delays are never easy, but they're designed to focus our faith and increase our dependence on the Lord because God's always on time. And I know this. God is often the closest when he seems the furthest away. It's amazing how God can turn something around just so quickly. So there we are in the waiting room. And maybe that's where we've been for this year, or that's where you are now, or you've been in a season like that. And while Joseph's in the waiting room, just ahead of him, there's something going on in the second point, the examination room. So J Joseph's waiting and the exam room is filled. I think the examination rooms and doctor's offices are some of the most weird, strange places on earth. They always smell like alcohol. And it's weird that, you know, the first person in to see you normally wants to have you take all your clothes off. I'm here for an earache. Take your clothes off. I think I have a sinus infection. Here, put this gown on. I, am I going to put the gown on my head? <laughs> you know, like, why, why do I have to put it on? Because we're in charge. And isn't it amazing? Anybody else in your life could tell you to put that gown on. You're not doing it. But somehow you're doing it. It's like, I don't know why they're putting this on. They come and they examine your ears. They never have any reason for it. They leave. You're like, oh. and they're out there. You can see them high-fiving the nurses at their nurse. They got another one to put the gown on. Sucker. That's three for me. They're exchanging money. I get in there. I look at that examination table with the giant roll of toilet paper at one end that runs all the way down over the table. And I think sometimes I struggle thinking about my weight, but I think whoever that toilet paper is designed for has got a way bigger problem than me. I'd like to see the toilet that was meant to be on, you know, like we could swim in it. 
And then there's those little popsicle sticks, you know. I like to taste them all just to see if any of them have any flavor. I put them back. I just leave them there. <laughs> Some of you like elf. Do you like eat the, pot, the, uh, the cotton? <laughs> or take that little ear thing and check out little spots. And I, I, I like to just see what I can do on that stool. The little, you know, you've been on it before, right? You've been on it before. See how fast you can go. The doctor comes in, you're like, it's like, doctor's like, what seems to be a problem? You're like, dizziness. I've been battling dizziness like for the last two minutes. (laughs) But in this exam room, it's a little different. Pharaoh's had these crazy, crazy dreams. All right? He's had two back-to-back dreams. And, and remember, Pharaoh is, is like the king of Egypt, but he's really like Egypt's the stuff, so it's kind of like king of the world almost. And so he's had these two crazy dreams. And, and in the dream, the first dream, there were seven big cows, and they were eaten by seven skinny cows. And then the next dream, there was uh, seven big stalks of grain, and they were devoured by the withering small seven stalks of grain. And, 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 he's, and he's wrestling with all of this, and... You know, most of us would go, you had pizza before you went to bed, right? <laughs> you know, we, we can diagnose that dream pretty easily, you know. But he wanted to know, and there was something urgent about it. So it says in verse 8, the next morning after the dream, Pharaoh was disturbed by the dreams. So he called all the magicians and wise men in all of Egypt. And when Pharaoh told him his dreams... Not one of them could tell, them what, tell him what they meant. So Pharaoh calls in the specialists. He calls in everyone he can get into the exam room. He's like, something's wrong, and I've got to know what it is. And I'll spend all the money I need. You know, I'll bring in every expert. I need this dream interpreted immediately. And you see, examination is essential for any of us to do God's work. I think when we are in the examination room, we, 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 our eyes are, are examined. What do you see? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? They look in our ears. What are you listening to? They take out that little hammer. They want to see if you can move, if you can go. I think God's looking for people in our generation and saying, man, what are you looking at? What are you listening to? Are you ready to respond to me? If I get you out of this waiting room and through this examination room, will you take what I give you? Will you respond to my advice? Will you receive my instruction? Will you go where I tell you to go? But here in this examination room, Pharaoh can get no help. What it identifies is our, our ridiculous independence. Pharaoh's dreams messed him up. It says he was very disturbed. So he called for help. Man, I, I know I've mentioned this, but we are really bad about turning to everyone before we turn to God. Even us Christians. You know, please pray and seek God when you're sick first. I'm not ever telling you not to see a doctor, not to get help, but I'm telling you that WebMD is probably not the help you need. Or just putting it out there on Facebook and letting people tell you what they think you have. You see, God knows you. He made you. Why wouldn't you start with him? 
Why wouldn't you start with the one who made you, created you, the one that knows you from the head to the feet, the one who loves you, designed you, the one who has a purpose and a plan for you. He knows when it's not working right. He knows how to fix it. He knows how, how to make everything good for us, but why don't we go to him? Because we have ridiculous independence on ourselves and our ability to fix it. We don't want to bother God. Bother him. If he notices when a sparrow falls from the sky, I think he's interested when you're struggling. I think he's interested when you're going through something. Don't think you can't bother him when he said, cast all your cares on me. I think if you don't cast your cares on him, it's sin. Because he told you to do it. He said, bring your problems to me. Not the jury. Not everyone else first. Bring them to me. We almost always wait too long to call upon the Lord. And then, not only does it identify our dependence, it diagnoses our debilitating insecurity. All of Pharaoh's counselors draw a blank. Man, if you read in like Daniel 2, it's not good to draw a blank when you're with a Pharaoh. All right? You could be tossed into fire. You could be tossed into lion's den. You could be, you know, taken outside and you and your whole family killed. So for them to draw a blank... It's a big deal. Like some of you, you would have just like made up stuff, right? Like just gone into a pattern of circle logic. Well, I think what those cows really mean is that there's a, there's a, a there, God likes big people and little people and he doesn't judge people and uh, we should accept skinny people. King? No, we would probably have been dead for sure then. <laughs> but this is the providential work of the Lord in Joseph's life. God sent this dream to Pharaoh, and he also sent a big blank to everybody else. They're like, I got nothing. I got nothing. God was working behind the scenes to accomplish his eternal plan and purpose. I've said that a few times this morning. It's for you. He's working behind the scenes of your life to accomplish an eternal purpose. He's working. He's doing something. You have a reason. So Pharaoh and his men thought he was in control of everything that happened in Egypt. In truth, God was in control of all things, even the king's heart. Look what it says in Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. You know, Pastor Steve preached a great message for us that, man, we need to trust the word. We need to trust the word of God. We need to go there first. It's a, it, God can speak through dreams, and God can speak through a lot of things. But when you know the word, you can see if it lines up with the word because it won't contradict the word. And so you can be counting on that. As we study the word of God more and more and more, the more able we are to discern what God is saying to us. So stay in the word of God. Now, the third room. This is the fun one, right? The operating room. So now, finally, it says, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I've been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago, you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night, the chief baker and I had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. And we told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything, say everything, 
Everything happened just as he had predicted. I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. So I'm glad I'm the cupbearer. <laughs> Pharaoh then hears this, and he says, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. You see, now we're in the operating room, and Joseph is the specialist that Pharaoh needs. He's the specialist that Pharaoh needs. And notice something. He could have come in and said, yeah, here I am, all dirty prisoner, this big old beard, because I've been in prison, falsely accused in prison, held in chains, ankles all chained up, neck all chained up, smelly. Yeah, I smell. No, he came in like a surgeon. He was clean. He was shaven. Because when God brings you into this place, don't wear your old prison clothes. Don't wear your old sin clothes. When God pulls you out of the grave like Lazarus, don't wear, your, don't wear your death clothes. Don't wear your prison clothes. Nobody cares about where you've been if God has brought you to someplace new. All right? It, sometimes we're so much into glorifying where we've been. We always want to bring it. You know, I hate testimonies that spend 20 minutes talking about the way they were. And then it's like, well, then God saved me and everything's been better since. I was like, it seems like you had more fun talking about when you were a sinner than when God saved you. I want to tell you something. When you get that way, you'll start exaggerating everything about your past. You'll make it even worse than it was, and you'll find yourself lying about the very thing that God freed you from. So talk about the truth, and that's Jesus. Talk about God. He gets out, and so Joseph says, man, I'm, if I'm going to go before Pharaoh, I'm going to shave. I'm going to put on clean clothes. I'm going to go in and operate like a child of God. I'm going to go in like the specialist that God called me at 13, even though now this guy's pushing 30, and he's still saying God's faithful. You see, your story will come out. God's working it. If you've been through a test, then you will have a testimony. If you're in one now, God's perfecting it. He's preparing it. Not that so you can spend the rest of your life talking about what you did or who you were, but who he is and what he can do for others. That God never forgets us. He never leaves us hanging. That even if he was in prison, even if he was in a pit, even if he was left by everyone else, he was never left one second from God. God never took his eye off of him. God never left him alone. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never turn my back on you. This is God's promise to you. You may be going through it, but if you're going through it, stop taking selfies and keep going through it. Because the pity party isn't nearly as good as the praise party that God wants to have at the end of it. You'll get more followers with pity, but you'll set people free with praise. And that's where God wants us to lead people to, to a place of victory, not to a place just of common understanding. Because any of us can do that without God, but he's taking you to some place you can only operate with God's help. That's where Joseph's going. God will, he'll, he'll get you out. Your story will come out and others will be glad to see you. Pharaoh has no idea how glad he's going to be to see little Joey. 
but he's coming out of there. And this Hebrew boy walks in, clean shaved, looking at it, going, I'm going to fix this. God's with me. Think about the amazing sequences of events. Joseph is brought to Pharaoh only when Pharaoh is desperate. What if the cupbearer had got him out two years ago? Then nothing happens. The people aren't free. His own family won't get free. Sure, he'll get out, but will we even read it in the word of God? Will we get to hear the stories of what Joseph would do? Joseph, looking back, would not change anything. In fact, Joseph would say at the very, 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 very end, I'm not mad at all because God meant it all for good. He meant it all for good. He meant it all for good. When he was watching his father come into the kingdom and be fed and his nation saved, he said, God meant it for good. Even when his enemies were fed, he said, God meant it for good. And whatever you're in, God means it for good. God's a good God. He's not a bad God. He's never been a bad God. And he's always going to do good for you. But it may not feel good. It's like a trainer. It doesn't feel good when they're saying, one more. But it feels good when you're in the mirror later and you see a difference from obeying the person pushing you to someplace you couldn't get on your own. Others will be glad to see you and desperation is key to favor and freedom. Man, on any other day, this powerful ruler would not have listened to anything a prisoner would have told him. On this day, he was candid. On this day, he'd listen to everything. On this day, he had no choice because he was desperate for answers. And the truth walked in the room through Joseph. And so that brings us to the final room, the recovery room. This is where the recovery starts happening. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. it and, and I love this. He, he, he starts out, he says, I've heard good things about you. I've heard when you hear dreams, you can interpret it. You hear all that? You, you, you. I've heard this about you, and you're awesome, and you can do this. Look at what he says. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God. Somebody say, but God. But God can tell you what it means. And set you at ease. So Pharaoh told Joseph his dream, and Joseph responded. Both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. You see, Joseph throws the props right back to God. He doesn't go, yeah, man, I'm an I'm a ace prophet. You know, I, I, I can interpret. I can do dreams. God's just really blessed me, and I'm humbled to tell you I am great at interpreting dreams. You picked the right guy today, dream interpreter. No, he goes, I can't interpret your dreams, but God can, and he's here. He wasn't here a few minutes ago. He wasn't here when all your wise counsel was here. He was still in the prison over here with me. Well, he may have been there, but you weren't paying attention, right? You see, even after all he'd been through, Joseph's not bitter. He's better. I say to people all the time, you know the difference between bitter and better? Letter I. When you focus on I, you'll always be bitter. You'll always land there. When you focus on everyone else, that's the E, you'll always be better. Simple, right? Choose to be better instead of bitter. Every situation will give you opportunity for one or the other. Choose to be better. Joseph says, I'm going to be better through this. I'm not going to be bitter. It's been a rough few years. It's been a rough decade. 
It's been really rough. Some of you are like, this COVID has been going on forever. Talk to Joseph. It's not the perspective of what we've come through. It's the perspective of why we came through it. Because if God's leading you even through hell, don't stop and take a picture. Keep going. Keep going. Because, yea, even if I walk through the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for God is with me. His rod and staff, he comfort me. Yep, we've lost some good people during COVID. But every one of them in heaven is not wishing they were here. Not a one of them. But you're here for a purpose. And let's figure out what that is in this waiting period. You see, all that matters is the Lord and his glory. So this morning, I just have three final challenges for us as we wrap this up. Stay ready in the waiting. Stay ready in the waiting. I never pictured Joseph slumped in a corner of the prison, his head between his knees, complaining and whining and talking about how God gave him this dream and never came true and how God turned his, let his brothers turn against him how God let him be thrown in a pit and how God let him be accused of rape. You never see that with him. He just stays ready in the waiting. You know, I shared in the first service, one of my heroes is in this room, is Pastor Steve. You know what? I'm a few years older than him and I knew him when he was a young pastor. He had some moments in his life that were not easy in the waiting periods. He had some people that overlooked him. He had people that did not promote him. He had things that he had to go through. Here was hardship and difficulties. I never saw him complain. We'd meet up at a youth event. We'd meet up at a youth camp and we would laugh. We'd talk about the goodness of God. We'd talk about the call of God. We'd talk about how we're never going to quit even if our friends quit. And here he is, pastor of one of the fastest growing churches in America for the last five years. God is faithful. There were rock star youth pastors back in the day that aren't even serving God to this day. But there was a guy that operated in the shadows just like he operates in the light with character and dignity. What God taught him there, God's still teaching us through him because he stayed ready in the waiting. When doors open, they open. When this door opened, it's not like it was just the most glamorous door in America. There was hardship, there was difficulties, there was splitting, there was pain, and yet there was promise. And there's faithfulness that always follows the voice of God and not popular opinion. Stay ready in the waiting. Wherever God's got you, stay ready in that waiting. Because at any moment, the door could open. At any moment, the prison change could fall. At any moment, your suffering could shift to opportunity. And you got to be ready at that moment. Then it's not time, well, let me go study. Or let me go get right. Let me go get prepared. All I want to say is, I need to shave. I need to put on some new clothes and I'm good to go. Let's get to going. Stay ready in the waiting. And know this, the wait won't last forever and always has a purpose. Come on, say always. It always has a purpose. If you've been in the wait, it has a purpose. Let's figure it out what it is and pursue his purpose. Pursue it. Pursue his purpose right out of the waiting room because the door is going to open. And the last of all, you are rescued to rescue others. Joseph gets out. He doesn't even get a meal or a night's rest before he's already rescuing nations. He could have said, man, can I catch my breath? Can I have a moment? Can I, can I eat something? He wasn't thinking about himself. 
He was thinking about God and where God was leading him next. This was his moment. So this morning, wherever you're at, let me just say this to you. Don't wait another moment to put your trust in Jesus. Don't wait another moment. There's a lot of other waiting periods that you might be in. But if you've turned your back on God or if you've never opened your heart to Jesus, don't wait another moment. He stands at your door waiting for you. The Bible says that he stands at the door and he knocks. He could kick the door in. He could shove the door out of the way. He could walk through the door. But he doesn't because he wants you to make the choice to invite him in. He stands at the door. And if you will let him in, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you profess with your lips that he rose from the dead, you can be saved today. He'll come in and fellowship with you. He'll come in and give purpose to your waiting, purpose to your examination, purpose to the operation, purpose to the recovery, and he will send you on the right path. All you have to do is say, God, I I need you. Forgive me, come into my heart. So I want you to close your eyes and just right now let the examination happen. David had an examination where he said, search me, God. So maybe you need to say that to God right where you are. Search me, God. See if there's anything wicked in me. See if there's any separation between us. See if I have turned my back on you. See if I've walked away from you. See if I've stopped trusting in you. And God, save me. Save me. If you're here right now and you say, that's me. I need to put my trust in God. I want you just to shoot your hand up. Say, I need to put my trust. I need to come back to Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Even if you're watching online, raise your hand. In that dorm room, in that hospital room, on the beach, raise your hand to God and say, I surrender. Now pray this prayer with me, all of you in this room. Even if you didn't raise your hand, pray this prayer. If you prayed it, if you raise your hand, pray it mean every word because he's going to change you right now. If you already know the Lord, pray it as practice so that you can pray it with somebody else this week. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who found me waiting and frustrated and sinning and stretched out his arms on the cross to forgive my sin. I believe this. And I believe that when he died, they put him in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the dead so that I could join him and have everlasting life. I ask right now that the wait would be over and you would come into my heart as Savior and Lord. From this day forward, may I live for you wholeheartedly. Thank you that the wait is over. In Jesus' name, amen.